Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now commencing. This is the Rich Eisen Show. So far, so good. With guest host, Dan Helley. I like it. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. You get a jersey yet? I don't wear jerseys. Yeah, been for the kids. I don't, yeah. these kids, they don't, Your kids. <laughs> they're not putting on a jet jersey. Today's guests, founder and CEO of On3 Sports, Shannon Terry. Host of the Business of Sports podcast, Andrew Brandt. Washington Post NBA writer, Ben Golliver. And now, sitting in for Rich... It's Dan Helley. What is up, everybody? Hour two, Dan Helley here, filling in for Rich Eisen with uh, Eisen's gang, Chris Brockman, Michael Del Tufo, TJ Jefferson, all in the house, talking a little bit of uh, hoops tonight as we have the Lakers and the Warriors set to go at it. It is Steph, it is LeBron at it again. Arguably the two biggest brands in the game right now with apologies to one Kevin Durant. And game one going to be in the Bay Area tonight. Golden State favored by four and a half. Steph, of course, coming off that epic game seven performance against Sacramento. LeBron had so has had so many epic performances throughout his career. You guys tell me if... You think I'm wrong here. I know LeBron has to do what LeBron does, but if the Lakers are going to have a chance in this series, in which they are an underdog, not as big of as, as an underdog as you might have thought, um, but if they're going to have a chance, Anthony Davis is going to have to do some things. Yeah. I mean, not just do yeah. some things. He's going to have to strap the team on his back and help LeBron and not be just Robin. I think he's going to have to be Batman to a certain extent, if the Lakers are going to get by Golden State here, because he he's the one thing that they can't contain in the paint. We when he was with the Pelicans, we saw him do damage to Golden State at times. When when he's on and he's healthy, which he is right now, to the best of my knowledge, he is as unstoppable a force as as I think there is among people that play that position. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have AD prime AD. Give me Golden State the whole way. What say you, TJ? I agree with everything you said there. Anthony Davis really is, he's the key. Because you know what you're going to get out of LeBron, right? AD has been, he's looked like that guy that everybody thought he was going to be when he came out of Kentucky. And then he's looked like, you know, I, I hate it when fans call these guys soft, Chris. You know that. But a lot of times, that's the knock that he gets. He's in street clothes. They want to call him soft, and he gets injured. But telling you what, when that man is on his game, I don't know what you do to stop him. And Looney is going to be in for a long series. Looney and Draymond Green, they're going to have to ball out, to, especially if AD is healthy. You know what I mean, Chris? Yeah, for the Lakers to win, too, uh, guys, it's not just going to have to be LeBron and AD. We're going to need... 20 point nights from Austin Reeves. Yeah. And we're going to need a Rui. We're going to need Rui 20 and 10 games. We're going to need Jared Vandermilt to absolutely shut down Clay Thompson. 
We're going to need D'Angelo Russell uh, the other night, the overtime win. D. Russ was hitting those threes that yeah. got him back in it. We're going to need one of the two of those games. We're going to need a weird Malik Beasley game. We're going to need Schroeder to play smart. It's going to take a total team effort because they're just not as good as Golden State is. And so it's going to take kind of a, a Herculean effort. Yeah, we know LeBron's going to do it. He's averaging, like we said, 38 and 6 this year. We're going to need that every night. We're going to need 35 a night from LeBron. We're going to need 30 a night from AD. And then we're going to need the other guys to chip in. You know, they're going to have to get 50 points. And suddenly that's 125, and that's what it's going to take to beat this Warrior team. Well, we're not going to get 35 a night out of LeBron. That's just... Why? I don't think that that's... Why not? I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's... 35 a night for him at 38. And they're not going to win the series. Uh, we'll see. I don't. I don't think he needs to score thirty-five a night. Yeah, but I, I do believe the bench players, like you mentioned, they got to show him. AD and LeBron got to go for sixty to sixty-five points. I, I think with LeBron, you don't. I don't know that you necessarily need thirty a night, but I think you need a triple-double type line every night. Like that's what LeBron gives you, right? Like I think you need, you know, twelve, thirteen rebounds. You need nine, ten assists. Yeah. And, you know, you need 20-plus points, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just looking at, you know, against Memphis, which was a very different series. You know, he goes for 21, 28, 25, 22, 15, and 22. Um, but this is such a different team than Memphis. And has, by the way, has a team ever gone from as likable to as hated in a two-month span as the Memphis Grizzlies? Like, how... F- By I don't the way, think they were, they were so- ever likable, Dan. I feel they, I, they took that, yeah, that villain... Really? They took that villain hat last year, and I think that... From I what guess, I read and saw, I think that that's what they wanted. Let me rephrase that. Has a team ever gone from as fun to watch... Underdog rooting... Okay. ...to well, as hated yeah. as the Memphis Grizzlies in one fell swoop? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. thank you, Dylan Brooks. Yeah. And then you saw the you saw Shams uh, tweet a few minutes ago, right? Yeah, uh, Hoskins just putting it up. If you want to yep, let the people there it know, is. know what that says, the Grizzlies have informed pending unrestricted free agent Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back under any circumstances. Sources tell Shams Charnia uh, Brooks was told about the Grizzlies' decision to move on in exit meetings with team officials in recent days. Sources said, "I any think circumstances." Yeah, I. I I think everybody in Memphis is probably glad for that. I, I, my couple of my best friends from college, huge Memphis Grizzlies fans, yeah. and went to Tennessee. They grew up in Memphis, moved back to Memphis after school, and um, go to every game. And that, like, the city has embraced that team, mm-hmm. and you know, grind city mentality, underdog mentality, and then the stuff happens with Ja, and then Dylan. They have so many nice pieces on that team. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that Dylan. Brooks is going to be missed at this point. I know he was, you know, longest tenured player on the team, kind of the heart and soul. And Brockman and I were talking about this during the break. And why don't you tell him, Chris, you and I kind of shared the same thought on what the future might lie for He's going to be on the Lakers next year. I mean, come on. This is the type of player LeBron actually likes. He likes guys who are willing to get under people's skins. Remember, uh, Lance Stevenson had that famous gif of him. Blowing in LeBron's ear. And then he signed off on playing with Lance Stevenson. He joined the Lakers. Mm -hmm. So this is the type of guy that, as long as you can make shots, LeBron likes playing with these types of guys. Wouldn't shock me in the least to see him on the Lakers. So you're a gif guy, not a gif guy. Gif guy, not gif? I say gif? I think it's gif like the the peanut butter. I think it's both. I've I've been around. I say gif. I mean, it's gif. You say gif? I just said it's gif. It's (laughs) gif. 
It is a G, but it's GIF and GIF. I've heard both. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've butter. heard both. You know? I'll stop. We're showing our age right Robin, now. Hey, right Dan, you, did you park in the garage when you got here today? <laughs> you know? Is that where you parked? Touche. Touche. Garage. Um, well, I'm, look, I'm certainly looking forward to that game. I'm, I, I just I want a good series yeah. with Golden State and the Lakers. And, it, you know, being here in Los Angeles, I mean, you guys lived it this season. The Lakers were terrible. The fact that they're even in this position, no, they've made remarkable. some. They've yeah, n- made remarkable. some nice moves. They retooled that entire they roster, really and you didn't think that anything was going to come of it, Chris. And then they were what they were the top ranked defensive team. Once they made that trade, things just flipped. It was it was amazing how they were able to get in there and kind of just rework that whole system. And they withstood LeBron missing a significant amount of time Tons. again. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I was just looking it up. I wanted to see what he did against Golden State this year. They played opening night, and he had 31-15-8, and eight, and then he played sparing minutes in one other game, and he was inactive for the other two. So, you know, they haven't seen LeBron and since the beginning of the season, so it's going to be interesting to see how they defend him. Like, like I think you're right, TJ. Looney is in for a long series. Mm-hmm. Can he get but 20? he's been balling. So. Well, let, let, balling. Me, let me say this about Looney. He's been playing good D. Yeah. He had three 20 or more rebound yeah, games that's crazy. against Sacramento. Looney, you could make the argument – that Kevon Looney was the second best player in that series for Golden State. He was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, his rebounding his numbers were off the chart. Yeah. So they're going to need it. They're going to need it. They're they're, gonna, it's it's going to take a full team effort from both sides. Whoever wins this series will have 100% earned it. And it might just become because they move on because the other team got worn down. You know, do the Lakers, they looked really tired uh, at the end of that Grizzlies series which makes the 40-point win to close it out even that much more impressive in my mind. Well, I had written down here, you know, is it more important for Jordan Poole or for Klay Thompson to play well for the Warriors? And I, I think you need them both to play well for, need them for both, the Warriors. But you need Poole to be the guy that earned that $120 million contract last year. You know, we, we need to see that guy if you're Golden State because he's been such a disappointment so far. They were able to get by... Uh, without him really playing at a high level. Um, so you need him to be 20 a night. They, they're going to need that from him. Also, I think Clay. you know, Clay. I think the most points he had against the Kings were 26. I think you're going to have to have some some of those Clay Thompson-like legendary games where my man's hitting for like 35, hitting 10 threes. You know, I, I think clutch that moments. that's... Clutch moments. clutch guy. Clutch Clay. Yeah. yeah, and I think we didn't really see that last series. That's going to be necessary to get them to the next level. Guys, the more I think about this and actually process this as we're talking about Klay Thompson, the more I believe this is going to be a five, maybe six-game series, okay? Because you talk about third options, whether it's Clay or Jordan Poole or Draymond, right, for the Warriors. And and then you go to the Lakers and you talk about third options. It's Austin Reeves. It's Austin Reeves yeah. or D'Angelo Russell or Rui. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, is there a drop off in third options there? Now, by the way, Austin Reeves has had his moments. He has. D. Russ has obviously had his moments. And Rui, coming from a Wizards fan who saw him grow up there and he was just kind of eh, has certainly had some moments with the Lakers. But give me Clay or give me Draymond, even give me Jordan Poole, I think, on a given night over most of these guys. But it's still, it, it, it amazes me how guys come out of college like an Austin Reeves and most people had never really heard of Austin Reeves and then you see him, oh, who's the white guy in the Lakers? He's pretty good. Yeah. 
And then you're like, hey, is that uh, Caruso? Is he, he's still here. <laughs> hey, boy, he's oh, a Chicago. No, 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 it's not. Yeah, he's going. Who's that big... guy again? No, he has hair. Wait a second. That's not Caruso. Yeah, exactly. Osprey's <laughs> can play, but he's going to have to really take it up to another notch. I mean, he, he kind of. I think he, Austin Reeves made himself a lot of money this year. He's gonna, Tons. He's going to get a big contract from someone, whether now, it's to stay here or not. Does Austin Reeves get a Jordan Poole-type contract? Because no, it's a but, similar scenario, but right? But I think he can get a Duncan Robinson-type contract that now looks kind of foolish for Miami to, to have done so that. So you just have, you have to go you have to go with the other white guy that got a nice deal that could shoot. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of... Kind of <laughs> no, Duncan, Duncan did get paid, but my point is, Austin Reeves, when you look at... Like, you looked at the last game... LeBron's giving the ball up to Austin Reeves yeah. and letting him create. Yeah, you know he's averaging 16 a game in the postseason. He's he's done some nice things. I don't know. I I, I might be surprised if he doesn't get a hundred million dollar deal. So you're saying Warriors in like five? I just think I think Warriors in six. I think the Lakers will get two. Um, I don't see it, I don't see it going seven. I was looking at some odds the other day, and the the Lakers odds. Are better. We're actually better yeah. the longer it goes, which surprised me a little bit. Warriors in six, I think, was like six to one, which was very appealing to me. L- Lakers in seven was was I felt like less than five to one. I was I think it was plus four fifty. Mm. So some interesting odds there in that game. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because we're here. Maybe because it's LeBron versus Steph. But um, far more intrigue and interest. Do you care about talking of the legacy question with these two guys, even though they're going head to head? Does that interest you at all? Of oh, if if Steph wins and he's no, I mean it, it, it's super sports talky. Yeah, I know, and it's been it's been all it's been all you know all day and all morning and yeah. yesterday. I think with on a lot of different shows. Like I think you got two all time greats. They're two very different players. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of legacy, does one more title change LeBron's legacy? I don't think so. Does one more title change Steph's legacy? In my opinion, so. probably more than it does for LeBron, simply because he's winning another one without KD. Yeah. So, I, you know, LeBron, LeBron's done this before, and to me, both of their legacies are almost as impactful off the basketball court as they are on the basketball court. Sure. You know, in terms of LeBron, like what, what he's done with, you know, clutch sports and the outside businesses, oh, and he's a billionaire. The school and it, he's built. The, the school back in Ohio. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing what he's done as a business person. And then with Steph, obviously, you know, the Under Armour stuff, and he's done a lot of similar things, but he's changed the game in a way that, that we've never seen before yeah. just because he's... I don't want to say a regular dude, but he's just built more like the rest of us than LeBron. LeBron's a super yeah. freak. You can't. Right? Yeah, LeBron's 6'9", 260. Like, the normal sure. person can't relate to that. Right. But these kids, they see Steph, and especially on the basketball court, he like, looks, he looks he small, looks small even though he's 6'4", yeah. right? <laughs> right? So he looks like us. Right. And I, I've said this before. I think Steph kind of ruined basketball because now then you've got these kids. Kirk Morrison, for example, came in the other day hosting and. He said, you know, he's coaching his daughter's team and his son's team. I'm like, what's easier? He goes, oh, the girls by far. He goes, the girls listen. He goes, the boys think that they can come in and shoot half-court shots because Steph Curry does it. And I think that the game has changed that. The People step in the gym and they think, oh, I can launch 25, 30-footers. And you can't because there ain't that many Steph Currys. God didn't bless that many people with that type of skill. But yet everyone thinks that they can do that. And it's it definitely changed. He changed basketball more than LeBron changed basketball. And 
I think that's pretty uh, a pretty safe assumption. The thing too, about LeBron is uh, if he wins another one with the Lakers, he gets a statue. So that's kind of a, <laughs> he'll have a statue in three spots. Cleveland for sure has to build him one. Yeah, and then I'm sure Miami because, and then. You know, he gets a Lakers statue, I think, if he wins the second one. Well, I I, I would think he would have to, right? Shaq, Shaq has his uh, Lakers statue. And he, and he ties Kobe with, with five rings, so it's... Uh... It's certainly impactful. I guess, for me, there just there hasn't really been a question of where they stand in the history of basketball. They're two all-time greats. Now, is their legacy greater? Sure. Does LeBron catch Jordan? I don't think he ever will. I, I don't think there's, there are certain people that are always going to look at Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. I think our generation always feels that way. I think yeah. people you know, 10, 15 years younger than us would put LeBron first. Yeah. And I've always said this, especially when you know, in the last five years when this argument really took off. My point is if you're under the assumption, if you're under the feeling that Michael Jeffrey Jordan's the greatest player ever, there is nothing that's going to change your mind, right? But if you felt like LeBron's the greatest, then... The further he goes on, the more argument that you're going to be able to make. And, you know, the two sides will never meet. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one will ever come to a, 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 an absolute conclusion who was the greatest. I'm just happy that I was alive to get to watch this because I love basketball and I love watching basketball at its highest level. So, I, you know, I got to see Jordan. I got to see Shaq and Kobe and LeBron and Steph. And it's just amazing. It, well, we've been blessed, right? We've been blessed to grow up in this era of all-time greats. I mean, you could throw Tiger Woods in there too, right? Like, oh, we yeah, I'm never just see basketball. No, I know, but I mean, we may, we may never see yeah. that. And, and and obviously, Tom Brady. But you remember, you know, years ago, you had the Joe Montana Tom Brady debate, mm -hmm. and then Brady just won so much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there was no more debate. It was. Well, uh, well, Dan, I was talking to Rich about that, and you. Know, says that seven is now the benchmark and i really don't believe that because seven is such an anomaly like no one's gonna win seven super bowls again i'm just it's not gonna happen just like no one's ever no one ever counts bill russell's 11 rings as the benchmark it's usually like six right five or six right to say seven that's an, an like i can't see that Ever happening, so I kind of look at the four. You get into the four Super Bowl range where Mahomes is kind of staring at now. I kind of feel that that puts you in kind of like that goaded category in that but conversation. Seven man, Chris, insane. Seven Super Bowls. Well, you, I mean, you go, you go three, you go four, right? It used to be Terry Bradshaw forever. Yeah. Uh, we could, we could go on this conversation for hours and hours, but we have to pay some bills, guys. We have to take a break here. Oh. Dan Helley filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show. We are back in a moment. Shannon Terry, founder of On3 Sports, is coming up. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for $20 off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL Draft, which means for me... 
I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So Sleep Number helps me. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Listening to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network, sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger. I'm Dan Helley. Hello, everybody. Thank you for uh, listening and watching today with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. All right, we touched on this uh, a little bit in hour one, and it has been a fascinating subject for me to delve into. Over the last uh, two years or so, that is name, image, likeness. NIL in college sports. Everybody's heard about this now, how college football players and basketball players and gymnasts, anybody uh, in college athletics is able to get paid for their name, image, likeness. And it has really changed the game. Uh, I think for the better, certainly there are issues that need to be ironed out to a certain extent. Um, and there's a lot of great recruiting websites out there, uh, and one that I tend to go to more often than not because they give you NIL valuations for players, what they estimate based on their own metrics certain players are worth in terms of their name, image, likeness. I'll give you an example. Bronny James, LeBron's son, plays at Sierra Canyon High School here in Los Angeles, one of the best high school basketball players in the country. Not the best, not even a five-star. He's a four-star. He was a McDonald's All-American. Very good player. His NIL valuation, according to On3.com, $5.9 million, which is down a million and a half. It was hovering around $7 million for quite some time. So anyway, I go look at this list periodically and check out who's worth what. Um, and again, it's not exactly what they're making or they will make, but it's it's the valuation based on On3's metrics. Um and with that, I'd like to bring in the founder of On3, Shannon Terry. Shannon lives uh, in Nashville, a place that I frequent often, home to many friends. And he has already built a couple of successful recruiting websites, Rivals and 247, sold them to Yahoo and CBS, made a ton of money, uh, worked for CBS for a long time, did that long earn out a couple years at Yahoo prior to that. And now he's started his third recruiting website, On3. Shannon, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. I want to delve into this NIL situation a little bit more, and um, you seem to be ahead of the curve. When, when did you decide to add this NIL top 100 and these valuations on on three? Was that from the jump, or is that something that took you a little while to come up with? No, you know, it's, it's the reason that on three, you know, came about. We saw we saw a conflation of so many different events occurring in college sports, and we knew it was a you know it was a good time, and it was going to be an era of 
of, of NIL. And so we started building the algorithm about two years ago. Um, we've made um, small adjustments along the way, and we, we feel really good. You know, the, the world of NIL is constantly moving and evolving. And so, you know, our algorithm has to move and evolve as well. But um, it's, it's very interesting. You know, our algorithm, our NIL valuation is a, is a projective annual value. Um, it, it takes a look at the marketplace and what we think that athlete is worth, you know, for the next 12 months. And so we've had a lot of success with it. Well, and I would imagine that a lot of these athletes are using this to their advantage. Have you heard much about that in terms of negotiating, in terms of bringing on sponsors? And uh, Because let's be honest, what, what happens now in recruiting is every school has a collective or collectives. And right. I have found that if you have more than one collective, it, it doesn't really help you, I think, because you're recruiting against each other. So Tennessee, where I went, has one big collective called Spire. It's very good. And they've brought in some great Incredibly players. Yeah. Uh, and they are essentially negotiating with players and they end up going to Knoxville or whatever school. Every school has their own collective. But do they use your valuations in those negotiations? Absolutely. You know, we, we would, from the feedback that we get, we speak to all the collectives, we talk to the athletes. You know, our, our goal is we're trying to create an efficient marketplace. You know, like it's, it's, it's better for everyone involved if, if an athlete knows what their true value is. And for the most part, across the board, we've found that athletes, you know, are using – uh, their roster value uh, is a benchmark for collectives, you know, and then their overall NIL valuation, you know, as they get more into brand deals, larger brand deals. Now, there aren't many athletes that are, you know, really doing these larger brand deals, but there, there'll be more in the future. Where are we now and where will we be, let's say, five years from now? I'm looking at your list and your top sure. five players in terms of NIL valuation, and this is what you deem them to be worth annually as you said Bronny James 5.9 million Livy Dunn who is the gymnast from LSU is number two on this list at 3.4 million Caleb Williams is three the quarterback from SC Arch Manning who has yet to play a game his valuation despite a relatively small social media following is just over two million and then Travis Hunter the corner slash wide receiver who went with Dion to Colorado uh, from Jackson State is at, at 1.7 million. So you're looking at guys, and we saw this with Oscar Shibway staying in school on the basketball side, right? Because he was making almost $2 million a year from NIL money when he wasn't guaranteed to be a first-round draft pick. Where are we going to be five years from now? Are we going to see guys with, with $10 million valuations? Well, I, I don't think so. Let me, I think I can explain this pretty easily. So if, if you look at where NIL is, right now, the, the entire valuation. And, and you take a look at specifically college football and college basketball. The, the, the majority of the dollars, the value in those two sports is around what we call roster value. Okay, And the way roster value works is, is roster value is, is, for the most part, collective-driven. And so it's not a very hard formula to figure out what these athletes are worth for this point, we extrapolate back from the overall collective marketplace. And so if you take all the collectives, all the money raised, all the money that's going to be deployed in college football over the course of this upcoming season, 
and then you build some just basic general general management tools, mm-hmm. you know, where a quarterback's valued X more than a defensive end, more than a wide receiver, and so forth and so on. It's pretty easy to extrapolate back what the position values are worth if an athlete is at, at a certain school. For example, if Tennessee, for example, or XYZ school has a $10 million collective, and they're deploying $8 million over the course of the upcoming year, you know, you've got really strong guidance on what the value of an athlete is worth from the collective for roster value at that school. Now, to this point, for those sports of college football and college basketball, the majority of overall NIL dollars has been around roster value through the collective. As NIL increases over the years, you're going to see a lot more big brand deals come in. You know, and right now there's just not that many brand brand deals because there aren't that many known athletes. So, you know, kind of in closing here, as you look at our top ten list evaluations, it's Bronny James, Livy Dunn, Caleb Williams, Arch Manning, Travis Hunter, Drake May. You have a combination there of some high profile performance based athletes, but also, you know, some legacy names like, like James and Manning, uh, and then some really big time Influencers, you know, like a Libby Dunn, uh, and then, you know, in the case of, you know, Angel Reese, uh, you know, a combo. And so those two values put together, roster value and brand value, make up a valuation. And it will, you know, and it's, it's not that difficult to track if you've got the boots in the street and you do the work. So I, I think a lot of people have questioned, I'm just trying to keep this kind of generic for our yeah. listeners out there who are familiar with NIL, but maybe aren't sure exactly what it entails. Um, you hear about some of these deals, say, for instance, Miami, where they yeah. were recruiting a player and literally couldn't deliver on what was supposed to be a $10, $11 million NIL deal. Uh, then you hear about the $8 million deal that my alma mater, uh, the collective spire put together for Nico you know, Iomiliava, which I still struggle to say. Uh, That's really good, by the way. You did a good job. I I try. He's from from California, and he's going to my school, so I wish I knew uh, how to say Nico's last name a little bit better. But but that's a real deal, right? So this is is $8 million that was actually started getting paid while he was still in high school. California is one of the states where you can can start paying kids when they're in school, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's you know that's a that's a long term deal, it's a three or four year deal. Now, what we're hearing now in the street is the days of the million dollar quarterback are over. Even even I mean, even at the college level, they will be rare. And so, um, you know, I don't think you're going to see many of those going forward. Uh, but yes, why is that, Shannon? For ev- well, I think what what you're finding is that the collectives which, you know, responsible for this roster value, they're run by entrepreneurs and business owners and and highly successful people, you know, that necessarily don't come from the academia background. And so, you know, they, they want a good return on investment. And so there's only so much money. I keep hearing this, this you know, unlimited salary cap. You know, it's not true. You know, there's only so much money to go around. And what we're seeing is that the roster management of the schools working through the collectives is getting more efficient. It's and so um, that money's actually going less to recruits. That number's, I think, going to be around ten percent this upcoming year. It was fourteen percent last year, and you're going to see more money going 
uh, for kids to come back. You're going to see continue to see a lot more money go to the transfer portal. That's what that's what we're seeing now. So basically, what you're saying is, I'm equating this to let's just say uh, an NFL, let's say an NBA owner, yeah. who is. Yeah paying a luxury tax he's going over he's paying paying for three years or going after a title what you have in these collectives is you have a bunch of rich guys alums who are chipping in money to a not to, to to what is not a nonprofit. so there's no tax deduction generally right and so it's a it's a passion General. play Generally, yeah. some of them are a little yeah, different, yeah. but it's a yeah. passion play for these guys, whether they're throwing in $10,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars after three years, if you're not winning, they're not seeing a return on the investment because their only return is winning, right? So th- there, there isn't the situation where this is going to last forever in terms of the same guy just delivering a million bucks a year to the collective, unless you're winning. Well, I don't know. I, you know, winning is the key here. You know, I think I think donations to the athletic department, you know, are probably, you know, that's a piece that's going to be interesting to study is, you know, the impact of collectives, because you know, the same donor pool, let's face it. And so, you know, there's probably some cannibalization of funding that's going on. And the schools that don't win are going to struggle to fund their collective, you know, going forward if they don't have plans in place to, to cover during those windows. But let, let's let's be clear. I don't know that this is the route that we're going to see in five years. You know, at some point in time, you've seen the study. Power Five, if you take scholarships and aid, the the, the talent fee for a Power Five football is 9% of total expenses. So your labor is 9%. Uh, coaches, administrations, and severance is over 45%. So with all that said, we're going to get to a point where the athletes, especially for college football and likely college basketball, are some way going to be participating in the rights package, you know, through a revenue share or some form of compensation. So where does the collective fit when that window happens? And that's that's the that's the multi billion dollar question right now. That it's is, coming though. That, that, athletes are going to continue to get paid, period. Uh the athletes that are that are generating the revenue. So, so when do you think you think it's five years when the college basketball and football player is, is getting a cut of the rights deals? Well, you know, NCAA is going all in right now with the, you know, the trying to get the federal bill. So, you know, they've, you know, so I think this is going to move along really fast. And I'm thinking in two years, it's not going to look anything like it looks like now. There's just, you know, the, the NCAA, which is made up of, obviously, its presidents with a 1950s mentality, has they have not taken any steam off the kettle. And, you know, and they're at a point now, you know, through more and more antitrust litigation and where they're at, it's, it's kind of this federal law, this, this petition for a federal bill is the last Hail Mary. And so... If that doesn't happen in their favor, which it's unlikely to do, you know, I think you're going to start seeing a lot of moves. And I don't know what those moves are when they're they're going to happen. But it will not result in any form of the athlete at these revenue-producing sports not being compensated at the school level. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of how and when. It's been fascinating, Shannon, to see which of these schools, collectives, got on board the quickest and which ones yeah. kind of fell behind and are playing catch up. 
who are, who are the best three or four collectives nationally that have kind of been ahead of the game? You know, the Sp- Spire has been phenomenal. You know, they're 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 well run. Um, you know, they've 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 got good contracts. They're you know all the things. They're fundraising. Um, they've been ahead of the game. I mean, they've truly. Um, the thing that they've also done is that they've tired they've tied the deals in with actionable marketing plans for the athlete, you know, which is so important that if you go do a deal and you sign an, an athlete to a deal, that it is a true deal and there's real deliverables and it's not, you know, some scammy thing that's going on. Inspire's done a phenomenal job uh, of, of, of doing that. Um, the 12th man at, at Texas A&M is a really unique study, you know, because they used an existing organization from the eighties to come in and be their collective. And, and, and even though it's governed and run outside of the school and the athletic department, um, you know, they're still ticketing bonuses and points to the donor. And so, um, they played a significant role in Texas A&M's recruiting success last year. Now, you know, a lot of those kids have transferred and I think there's some, you know, reshaping of how they deploy, um, you know, their collective funds and that, that structure, while it, you know, has been called into question by the NCAA, I know for a fact that upwards of 10 other schools, you know, are researching and looking into that model, you know, as a possible go forward and solution. So the NCAA has its hands tied right now. They're paralyzed. Um, and during that window of time, the collectives and the schools are moving forward. Um, everyone's trying to make the collectives out as, as bad guys. I don't know that that's the case at all. Um, and it's, it's, College sports over the next 24 months is going to be one of the most interesting things I've ever, any of us have ever lived through or seen in 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 sports in general. So it's fascinating. It, it is fascinating, and you have the 12 team playoff right on the horizon, uh, and you are right in the middle of it all. Check out On Three; it's it's a great website, college recruiting website. Talks about these NIL valuations. Shannon Terry, you've uh, done great things with the websites. Let's let's stay with On Three for a while, man. Don't sell this off and start another one already. I like I love reading the top one hundred. I was ten years. I was ten years with rivals in Tampa twenty four seven. I'm old, but I'm going to be here for a while. This one has a chance. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'll be on anytime talking about this stuff. Uh, love your chef. Thanks, Shannon. Appreciate it, man. On3.com has these NIL rankings. Bronny currently uh, sitting atop number one with an annual valuation of close to $6 million for a while. That was in the $7 million range. Going to be interesting to see where he ends up. Dan Helley filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show. We're back after this. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Dan Helley and for Rich on the Rich Eisen show, hearing Shaq talk, talk about trophies made me think about trophies. And I've, I have this box that's been sitting in my garage forever. And my parents, when they moved, sent me a box of all my old trophies and jerseys, you know, all that stuff. Do you guys have any trophies from your childhood that you've saved? In my current house? Yes. No. Do you have any in a box somewhere no, that you've saved? Still at my mom's house. Still at your mom's house. Yep. I got a little league one. That's like this big that my mother sent me. And she's like, do you want this thing? I'm like, mom, I didn't even play. I'm like, really? It says, I forget the Senators was the name of the team or something. I'm like, mom, do you remember? I, I kind of just kept the score. That's why I realized I couldn't play sports. I might as well do something else. But she was like so happy she found this. And I'm like, no, I don't need it. So you don't have it? No, 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 no. That, that's yeah. Nothing, TJ. The only thing I had from my from being a kid, all that stuff got tossed. Just baseball cards and comic books. That's the only thing that like somehow managed to not get tossed out of my mom's attic. And I know they're still up there, but Ooh. nothing else. Yeah, I, I got a couple. I just can't. I can't part ways with. So they're just in the garage on a shelf. I'm certainly not going to put them out. But what are they? Uh, the the only ones that they're. I held on to, it's kind of funny. One of them is a fight of the night trophy from the SAE boxing tournament at the University of Tennessee my freshman year. I lost. I lost to Jamie Morgan. But it was the fight of the night, which is pretty cool. I'd never boxed before. I'd never done any of that. So I still have that. Fight okay. of the night. Yeah, fight okay. of the night. All right, we'll talk uh, later. Stop, stop. Like, uh, was this headgear? Like, tell me yeah, a little yeah. bit about this. Yeah, it was, what, it was, what went down it with was this? amateur boxing. I don't think they still have it because the insurance rates got to be yeah, too high. But yeah. uh, the SAE fraternity put on a boxing tournament every year at the Gold Gloves Gym in Knoxville. Okay. And... It was an unbelievable event. You know, the, the entire Greek system came out. There was, I, I don't know, there, there, it seemed like there were probably a thousand people there. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was definitely hundreds of people that were watching the tournament. And I remember a buddy of mine who was at another fraternity who was the, I, I was a freshman, you, you know, you rush fraternities and try to get a bid, whatever. Said, hey, dude, I don't know if you want to do this. Like, <laughs> people will remember this. If you lose, especially if you get knocked out for the next four years. <laughs> so you're putting yourself, putting there's, yourself it's an there. unnecessary risk here. Like you're going to be fine, but that's what people are going to remember. Yeah. So there was a dude at either middleweight or light heavyweight that I was trying to avoid who had won three years in a row. I weigh, uh, I weigh around 200 pounds now. So I moved up to heavyweight. I, I was roughly the same in college. Okay. And I fought a, a taller, lankier dude and somehow just survived and got, you know, whatever. We had a good fight. But uh, that's the trophy I've saved. The second one that is um, uh, a bath. I, I, I never got many individual awards, mm -hmm. but I got some like Christmas tournament alternate mm -hmm. team in basketball. Saved that one. And here's the third Pinewood Derby. Oh, I remember that. Remember oh, Pinewood Derby? Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts. I created a badass Pinewood Derby yeah, card. The Black Widow was hollowed out in the middle. 
So those three, anyway, I'm not going to put them up, but I, I've, I've held on to them. So I've always wondered if anybody held on to trophies from their childhood and the baseball card thing, TJ. Mm-hmm. You know what baseball cards are worth from like, I don't know, 1983 to 1993, the tops, nothing. Less than what you have in yeah. your nothing. ashtray in your car right now. That was, I, I have a huge box. Burn them. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. How, why in our childhood did they make so many damn baseball and football and basketball cards and they're worth nothing? Worth no, it's it's sad, man. I can remember yeah. being a kid and Jose Canseco's tops rookie card. I went into a Rite Aid in, in Altoona once and I just picked three random packs and I got three Canseco rookies in the same day. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy a house with this one day. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't buy you guys lunch with those cards right now. It's like crazy. Just, it, they they flood set. The market was oversaturated. I guess Chris isn't that yeah. what we heard when? Because Chris and I really, oh, yeah. when the boom, when the sport car boom Pandemic. happened a few years ago, we jumped sport all car. in and we spent we spent a lot of money, Dan. Chris, I, the I feel like I remember cards. this now because the last time I was in, you guys were still dabbling yeah. in that a little. Yeah. Bit. We're dabbling. We're trying trying to flip and all that stuff, but it's it's come back down a little bit. But the thing now that makes sports cards so valuable is. It's the scarcity. It's the numbered cards. Everything's about the autos. Is yeah. it on card? Do you got patches? Is it gold? Is it hollow? It's it's really gone next level now. But I thought the unopened packs were the, what was really unopened valuable. packs. Yeah, unopened sets. boxes. The full sets because it's, it's all about the mystery of what could be in there. Right. Yeah. So it's like you know, sports cards has kind of turned into the ultimate slot machine. You're just kind of. All right, here we go. I'm buying this box for 300 bucks. And uh, So is that what you guys do now? You, you buy the boxes or you buy an individual cards that you know already has a, a value? That's the thing. Is if you yeah. really want something, just buy the individual card. You can go on eBay and just kind of find it. Uh, but if you're in kind of the chase or maybe you're trying to hold for value, you're like, oh, there's, there's a lot of good rookies in 2020. Let me just buy a couple boxes of that. Hold on to it. And, and, hope, then, and hope you get an Otani. And then sell it for 3X down the line. Yeah, And that's kind of what I, he and I have both done. Kind of bought some, like I have Otani's rookie year in Bowman. I don't know if he's in this box, but I have it. It's still sealed. And I figure one day someone might want to take a chance in thinking that Otani's rookie card is in there. So, yeah. that's the you know, move. that's where you're at. That's where we're at right now. But I, I, I can speak for Chris. We, we definitely spent way too much money yeah, on cards. Over. But it was very fun. Yeah. We, we had a great time doing it. <laughs> because during the pandemic, that was all there was to do. You couldn't do anything. So all these, you know, cards, they have breaks. You know, my buddy Shane started Crackpot Breaks, and that's who I go to a lot. And you just... You know, you sit there, and I would spend Friday nights, Dan, in front of my laptop watching my boy break cards, and you're just hoping to get something good. Hold on, did he have like a like a Twitch stream, or are you guys just FaceTiming yeah, each other? Instagram. Instagram, Instagram Live. It was huge. Instagram Lives for breaks. Yeah. Got huge. It was massive. Spe- all like these, I said, all these local card shops would just do nightly stuff where people, oh, yeah, I want a box of that. Give me a box of that. Give me a box of that. It was like Caddyshack. Give me three of those, four of those. And then, bam. And then you'd watch your stuff get opened live on the Instagram. Page. Oh, they'd open your yeah. box. Yeah. So you, so you, you would buy it through the, them. Yeah. And then they would open it for you and then ship you the cards or you yeah. go and pick them up or whatever. And they get their greasy mitts all over your cards? Oh, no, bro. Lot, these are professionals, yeah, a lot of man. guys are wearing gloves. A lot of guys wear gloves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, like, they get a good card. They will case it, like, immediately. immediately, immediately like, it's it. all, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was still thing, going man. on. People are still doing it every night. It's I just spent the other day watching Crackpot yeah, do still, one for like two still, hours. Still, they were opening up a new case of Bowman. It's, it's great. Fun. It's, it's just fun. fun. This is like watching like people play video games to me, though. 
But I guess it's yours, right, and there's yeah, a value attached right, yeah, to it. Exactly. Right? I can't really get anything like, from watching you play cards, but I can get something if I bought this pack. It's also like the slot machine element. It, yeah. You could hit. You could hit sevens, and bam, you got a thousand dollar card. weren't you weren't you doing the um, the digital was, cards for a while? What? what? Oh yeah. And top shot. NBA top, top shot. Yeah. I I tried that. I couldn't really. That's still a thing. <laughs> I think I it's think still a so, thing. Yeah. I still have a bunch. I don't know how to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck with them. I think. Well, I go to I go down God. these, uh, you know, because I, I follow my kids oh. and I try to like pay attention oh. to some of this Instagram and TikTok stuff. Now the big thing is everybody's everybody's buying and, and uh, distributing ATM machines that are Bitcoin, yeah, right? Yeah. So they place the Bitcoin machines all over. So I've seen them around, yeah. you know, my hood a little bit, and uh, I, I don't know. I've never I've never I mean I I've owned Bitcoin. But I've never purchased Bitcoin from an ATM from an ATM machine. Right, right. That that's that's a somewhat next level for me. I don't know if I have the gumption <laughs> to bring myself <laughs> to buy Bitcoin from an ATM machine. I'm sure some people getting rich off Bitcoin ATMs though. There's no I doubt. I wouldn't doubt it. People get rich everywhere off something. Yeah. I got a flashlight for you. You want to buy it? Here you go. What were you trying to sell? What were you trying to sell? What subscription service were you trying to sell? No, don't even start with that. Okay. <laughs> that because by the way, who we I had, we the the Shannon Terry, who we had on from on three, I didn't want to say it to embarrass him on the line, but like this guy's made tens of millions oh, yeah. of dollars yeah. from starting these recruiting websites. He's yeah. unbelievably yeah. successful. 